Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how was your weekend? My weekend was awesome. Man, I heard you spoke at a church. Uh, I think it was at an at Usher Board anniversary. Yes, yes, yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> awesome. I heard about that. I heard about it. I was in the media. I, I, have, I was out of town, and, man, I got back in town today. Everybody was talking about it at work. Yes, yes. You know, I, I had an amazing time. I met a great group of people, and it was truly a blessing to be there. Brian, you know, when I was growing up in the church, man, we had... There were some people in the church that just flat out scared kids. You know how the the, the real serious people, the the deacon or that or, or, or that mother in the church that that walked up to you and grabbed you by your ear and just told you everything that she wanted to tell you. You remember that when you when you were little, how they oh, used to absolutely. just scare you, and you know you would think, has this person been saved all their life? <laughs> You know, you, know. You, you really get that, and sometimes you get kids that are coming off of the street, and they're going to church just as they are. But then they have to worry about what the deacon is going to say to them or the mother is going to say to them. And, and sometimes, you know, that they, they, they're afraid of that, and sometimes they just don't go back. I've seen that happen. Have you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I can remember when I was young, the one thing I would always get in trouble about was chewing gum. And it was one mother in the church, and she would come around. She would have a paper towel in one hand and a switch in the other. <laughs> and she'd say, if you got gum, you better put it in this paper now. And, you know, I can remember myself asking my grandfather, can I have peppermint? Can I have peppermint? Because if I got caught with that gum, mm-hmm. she's going to get you with that switch. That's right. <laughs> you know? And it made, and you know, in all honesty, it made me almost hate going to church mm-hmm. and so as a as a youngster what i would do is i'd go to sunday school because she was never in Sunday school <laughs> and then when i when church started i was out the back door wow but you know what brian i i see a lot of kids now that you know that's in the church they go to church and you see people walk up to them and they whisper something in that person's ear and you know that whatever it was that they whispered in their ear that person is they didn't take it. You know, sometimes you see them, they get up and they walk out. You know, it, it, it's like, it's almost like you can't do anything in the church anymore. Right, right. And, you know, you know and I think it's kind of born out of the fact that people, over time, when you've been scolded so much and you've heard all these negative things, you get tired of it. Mm-hmm. And the last place you want to see those negativities or those, you know, those out-of-the-way things coming from is the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, so you get to that point where, man, I didn't hurt all this negativity. Here I come to the place to get blessed. Here come another negative person. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, sometimes you hear, uh, you know, I've heard some people say in the church, oh, that she just left the club. Look, she still got the stamp on her hand or... Or, or, you know, you see a, a young man that, that's not dressed properly or, or whatever it is that they, they think is proper, and they say something to this kid. They don't know what condition that boy's family is in. They don't know if this kid is, if that's all he has or what to wear. But they come down on him. And sometimes, you know, that can be a turnoff. And that person, you know, who knows, that person may be on the verge of committing suicide, and this is his last resort saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to come serve you. I'm going to come to see what you're all about. And now when they step in the door, they're greeted with mess. With mess. But you know what, Brian, we have a we have a really good show tonight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've been anticipating and waiting. <laughs> the topic for tonight is spiritual flaws of the church. Yes. Spiritual flaws 
of the church. Everybody, we've seen it, we know about it, but tonight we have a special guest, Brian. She's awesome. She's the first lady of gospel comedy and a Christian author. Her name is Pat G.R.J. Walker. Ms. Walker, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm blessed. Now, uh, you, should I finish it and say highly favored? Because you know you you can't be blessed unless you add that to it. Yeah, if you if, if you don't say that now, they're gonna send you to the back of the church. There you go, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Walker. When you were a little girl, do you remember the, some of the things that Brian and I were talking about? Ooh, child, yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I remember one incident where uh, my grandmother. You know, when we used to go to church. We couldn't say anything. Children had a little spot that they had to sit in, and you sat there, and you kept your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And I went to church one Sunday with uh, my sister and another cousin, and, you know, we're over there hitting one another and just cutting up, as children will do. I guess we were, like, about maybe eight, nine years old. And my grandmother only had one good eye, <laughs> and she was shouting way on the other side of the church, just getting her shout on. And we felt that eye even before we looked up. And she just politely just shouted right on where we were, just whack, 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 thank you, Jesus, and kept right on going. And when the people looked around, they saw three little girls, tears just rolling down their eyes, and Marcel just went on floating back, praising the Lord. And I used to wonder, how could she just whip us like that and praise God at the same time? But she didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would knock you out. Well, you know what? And I know I I didn't tell everybody about the comedy. You know, I did say you're the first lady of comedy, but in traveling around the United States, what what are some of the things that, you know, some people tell you about your show? Well, um, I get different responses. Some people come just for the comedy and then find out that there's a lesson to be learned. Other people come for lessons and find out that they're going to laugh. So, you know, it, it varies, but what I try to do is just hold up a spiritual mirror without preaching, without jumping all over the place, without intimidating anybody. You know, let's just look at it the way it is. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do also, even in my novels, is I don't use like Sister Brown or or Mother Mary or something like that. I try and use characteristics of the person that's flawed, whether it's deacon laid hands or Reverend Not Enough Money or Sister I'm a Hellraiser or uh, Mother Pray On, you know, all of those spiritually challenged folks that we know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always say, you know, don't let worry kill you off. Let them church folks help. <laughs> <laughs> and they will do it, won't they? Oh, in a minute. You know, I, I was talking with a young lady just the other day, and we were talking about when she was pregnant. She, You know, she went into the church, and, and one of the mothers of the church asked her, where's your husband? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Where's your husband? What in the world, are you young girl? What What are you guys? What are you young girls? What are you thinking about? Didn't know her situation from Adam. He didn't know anything about the woman. And come to find out, the lady's husband was in the military and he's over in Iraq. She thought the girl was not married. She she just the way she came off to her, you know, it kind of set set the young lady off a little bit. She was upset, but you know, she shrugged it off and then she went on in the church and she enjoyed the services, but. Sometimes, you know, when something like that happens, people turn around and leave the church, and they never make it in. Well, you know, in one of my first books, there was a story called Sister Connie Fuse Makes a Grave Mistake. And it was about this woman who had been to all these different churches and synagogues and temples and mosques, and she was just on a search for God. And when she finally arrived at the Ain't Nobody Right But Us, All Others Going to Hell Church, (laughs) she thought that she had found him. And one of the mothers, you know, what type of mother, mother pray on, been in church for years. You know, she don't nobody know God like she knows God. Mm -hmm. And she asked this woman to do a favor, do her a favor. She asked her to take her grave layaway payment down to the they all dying to get here cemetery. Mm -hmm. And the woman made a mistake and put it through the mail slot of the Will Hall, your ashes crematorium. Mm. And mother almost tore that church up trying to get back at that woman. Now, a couple of things happened. Number one, it was foolish for the mother to even get upset. And number two, she almost divided the church. Wow. <laughs> and here it is, this young woman finally found what she thought was the place that she wanted to worship, and somebody did something that stupid. 
to drive her out of the church. Mm. And do you know that we will be held responsible for that? You know what? Do you think do you think a lot of them know that or do you think they're just You know, a lot of people have a form of religion and that's just mm. it. They're just religious, but they don't have a relationship with God. Mm. I mean, how many times did Jesus have to rebuke his disciples about misspeaking or mishandling someone that was trying to get to him? And you think that we would have learned something. You know what? I was talking with a young lady just um, um, yesterday, and we were talking about how a lot of the pastors, bishops, the front people in the church, they're, they're kind of short with people that work for them. It's kind of like they will just eat them alive with words because their water didn't have ice in it or or they didn't have enough security to walk them in the church. Um, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, but let me, but let me turn that around a little bit. Okay. Because I'm curious about something. Do you think that before the advent of television, mm-hmm. to the extent that it is now, mm-hmm. that the pastors and bishops and speakers or whatever were more humble? I, I think so. See, because what I'm seeing is that we have made stars mm. out of some of our, you know, men and women of God. Mm. And we've stopped worshiping God, stopped reading the Bible for ourselves, stopped going to church. Some of us have, you know, have now joined the church of the recliner. <laughs> you know, and, and we put, we, you know, we, we want to talk about, and I'm just going to put it out there, we want to talk about how people of the Catholic religion, you know, why do they have to go into a confessional and confess their sins to a priest? You know, why can't they just go straight to God? Well, why do we have to sit in a reclining chair every Sunday and and not even have a one-on-one with these people that we are listening to and not go to church? Hmm. And I am in no way, shape, form, or fashion putting down uh, TV evangelism because I watch too, but I go to the gas station to get my spiritual car filled up. <laughs> I don't let it run off of fumes. There you go. I hear that. You and we've I'm... gotten too lazy to seek God. Yes. Yes, yes. Everybody's looking for a quick fix, this microwave religion that we have. You know, we had a uh, guest on previously, and she talked about that microwave religion. They said, we've gotten so bad now that we would press the button before the microwave even done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get mad when it gets down to two seconds, because two open. seconds are not going by fast enough. Yes. You know, I was thinking about how, you know, when when, when I was growing up and we would go to church, and for some reason... It always seemed like church was just not any fun. You know, it was sort of like, oh, boy, we got to go to church again. We don't know what they're talking about. They're going to be screaming and hollering, and we don't have a clue what's going on. Well, you couldn't be pious and have fun now. Come on, you know, those two things didn't go together back then. (laughs) If you didn't have that sneer or that, you know, that that look of sucking on lemons, then you weren't pious. <laughs> oh boy! And some of us are still like that. Yeah. You know, it's it's like God didn't have a sense of humor, or doesn't have a sense of humor, and He must have a sense of humor. I mean, look at us. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, God does have a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, look at us. We're a mess. Absolutely. And you know the thing that's so that's so crazy is that and you know, and I know when I say this, you're gonna boy, you're gonna jump all over this. It seems like it's more mess going on in the church than in the world. Listen, that's because the church has turned into the world. Mm-hmm. All we do is just bring the world in, you know, and put a put a steeple and a cross on top of it. Mm-hmm. We haven't changed anything. Hmm. And if you come in there with the same heart, the same mindset that you had, you know, when you were in the world, without a change, what else can you have but the world? And the church has become a business. 
Ooh, I was just about to talk. I was just about to. I'm so sick that. of commercials. I don't know what to do, and I know I'm gonna get in trouble. But I'm tired of it. I know you got a book. I know you got a tape. I know you got. I, I am sick of it. And, and and when I want to listen to the word, I want to listen to the word. I don't need to see you have somebody coming on selling a book. <laughs> and I can't get blessed unless I buy the book. And for $450, you can get blessings by God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 really a shame, and it's very, very depressing. I was watching um, uh, a program the other day, and it's, this particular uh, ministry seems to always have this particular pastor that comes on, and this particular pastor always has a word, but you can't get that word to you by that book. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like I could just go through the TV and say, "Look, come on, cut it out." Is it is it worth it? Is it? You know, I I, I sit back and I, I I've watched what you're talking about. I've seen it, and I I want to I I just want to reach out to these people and ask them: Is it worth the money for you to do what you're doing? Is it worth it? Well, you know what. The way I look at it is that if I really and truly believe the word that I'm espousing, I would be afraid to do what I'm doing. Wow. It's like, you know, you, you find a, a, a cookie-cutter type religious marketing ploy and you use it. Everybody jumps on board with it. And if I see one more person send me or, or read something else when someone has, wants to sell me some green soap, <laughs> I know I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't soap. care. I'm tired of it. Come on, people. Yes. And you know what? The sad thing I don't need a green handkerchief <laughs> or a green bar of soap. <laughs> and a lot of times what, what, what a lot of people do, they will use scripture to kind of back what they're doing. They use half a scripture, as if they were reading the Bible from the dollar store. And it's been customized and redacted. But that's why you must read the word for yourself, and the Holy Ghost will make it plain. Whatever you don't understand, God will not leave you ignorant. Mm -hmm. But we have to do the work. Absolutely, absolutely. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have with us tonight the funniest lady in spiritual comedy, <laughs> Pat G.R.J. Walker. If you have a question or a comment, our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And, and I must add to that that most people don't even know who Pat G.R.J. Walker is. Most people call me Sister Betty. Uh, tell them about Sister Betty. <laughs> tell, tell, tell them tell about, Sister, about Betty. Sister Betty. Oh, Lord, Sister Betty. Well, sir, Sister Betty is a super saint. Sister Betty is a collection of people, men and women, that I have met down through the years. And, and let me backtrack a little bit and tell you how Sister Betty was born. Sister Betty was born out of uh, out of a necessity. You know how you go to church sometime and you hear a great message, and you carry that message with you as far as the last pew in the church, mm-hmm. and there sits somebody who's going to say or do something stupid to take that blessing away. Well, when I was coming up, I couldn't hit nobody, so I would go home and write these stories. And the stories always had this one super saint woman named Sister Betty. And Sister Betty was most saved than anybody else. And she always had her own opinion about everything. Uh, if she could, she would have added her own chapter and book and verse to the Bible. Wow. <laughs> Until God called her on the phone one day. And girlfriend got so excited about getting that telephone call that she forgot to find out when Jesus was coming. And it's all about how we who are supposed to be working for the Lord and waiting on the Lord, how we don't actually represent the Lord. And we wouldn't know him if he showed up anyway because we don't have any love. 
And we always say that, you know, we love a God that we've never seen, but we're so mean and nasty to one another. Mm-hmm. And Sister Betty had to learn that lesson. Wow. <laughs> and we have to be real careful. I was listening to what you were saying at the head of the sh- of the program about how people that come to church are hurting, and they may be wearing the best that they have, but it's always somebody that's so judgmental, so critical. And, and, and they will send that person right out the front door. And I'm reminded of, of David. I mean, who was any more messed up than David? But David knew how to praise God. And because he knew how to praise God, he became one of God's favorites. There's nowhere in there where I, where I read where God chastised David because of what he was. As a matter of fact, David danced out of his clothes, so I guess nakedness was all right. <laughs> but we have to, you know, we need to stop that. If you don't like the way somebody's dressed, then, then, then take them out and buy them some clothes. Absolutely. But don't send them out the door the same way they came in. Man. And my Bible tells me to put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't say I'm wearing Gucci. You know, I was thinking about that because I remember once my pastor was uh, was given a sermon, and he made a comment about, you know, certain things that people wear. He said, you know, I'm from the old school, and he's a young guy. Pastor's about 28. And uh, he's a young guy. He was saying, "I'm, for, you know, I have an old spirit. And he was talking about how he said when you come to church, there's a certain way you should come to church. He said, where I, where I grew up, ladies had their shoulders covered and their backs were not out. And I just looked at this one lady that was sitting in front of me, and she had on an outfit where her whole back was out. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. You know, because I couldn't believe he made this statement. But the thing what he was saying, he was like, you know, when I grew up, this is what I remember. He said, now people aren't afraid to come before God, you know, just any old kind of way. He said, now it's different if you can't afford the clothes. Just let somebody know we'll help you out. That's what we're here for. That's what other church members are here for. If you can't afford the clothes, somebody will buy you an outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, but when you come in here and you got other clothes and you decide to wear, you know, your back all out or, or, or you know, or brothers come in here and got their shirt buttoned all the way down <laughs> and it's showing off all their chest hairs and everything, you know, it's a certain way you should want to come before God. And you'll you know? be convicted after a while. You know, you'll and I think, I think for the most part, the reason that most people come in there month week after week, month after month, and dress like they want to dress is because the church has done a poor job of teaching how people how to dress. See, the reason our young males can will, will actually come to church with their pants hanging down off their behinds is because nobody in the church decided that, hey, we're going to teach a class on how to how a young male should dress properly. Well, you know, I think it goes even further than that because the, the, look at the way they dress going to school. Look at the teachers, how they dress. Oh, yeah. That are teaching the kids. So where are the role models? And the other thing that I wanted to say was, you know, to me it's no different than if you got shot and you needed to go to the hospital. Now, if you don't have a suit to wear, you're not going to go to the hospital because you don't have a suit. You go to where you can get some help. So after you get there and you get the help and get all stitched up and whatnot, then you look around and you say, oh, you know, okay, I can do a little better than this. Right. But but you don't want to be turned away or stopped from going because you don't have, you know, uh, what what is considered the appropriate clothes. Now, having said that, I'm totally against, you know, somebody coming to, to church with their chest all out, you know, and like you say, with their butts all out. First of all, I don't even say I can walk with the pants hanging down around your knees. <laughs> I, I want to just snatch somebody and ask them, how do you do that? How do you balance that? And then these kids need to be taught where that 
style came from. Tell them where it came from, please. You know, where it, it, they need to know that in prison where you can't have a belt and and in prison where you're wearing your pants down around your, your underneath your butt cheeks and whatnot, that means that you belong to somebody in there. Mm-hmm. So what these young men are actually doing is they're walking around letting people know I belong to another man. And you know what the girls are starting to do that now. Oh, I don't get I don't get that at all. <laughs> but once again, who's teaching them? Absolutely. And, and you know what I was about to say, a lot of times the kids are they're doing things and they're not being who God created them to be because a lot of times they don't know that they don't have to do what my neighbor what your neighbor is doing. You don't have to mm-hmm. do what your classmate is doing. You're unique. You're not designed to do what they do. That's why it doesn't work for you. And nobody's telling them what our parents used to tell us. You know, what was that they used to say? Well, if so and so going to jump off a bridge, you going to jump off a bridge too? <laughs> Real straight, you know, to the point. Yeah. You know, but some of these kids now will probably say, yeah, I'll do it because that's my dog, and, and I'm going to keep it real. Mm-hmm. You know, we were real out. stupid. <laughs> we go around and uh, we talk in the detention centers and in the prison and stuff like that. And we talked to a young group and we were asking them, what does keeping it real really mean? And, you know, everybody gave us kind of like a different answer. And because I, they don't know. And I told them, I said, do you notice how everybody had a different answer? I said, now, if everybody's answer is different about keeping it real, how can it be a true definition of keeping it real? Because your definition of keeping it real is different from my definition of keeping it real. So you can see right away that keeping it real can't be truly defined. You know, and, and we also have to get back to taking care of one another. And where I am, where I live in Long Island, New York, the young men that come here to visit, you know, my grandson or whatever, they know that once they hit that curve, they better pull them pants up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't play. And I will tell the parents the same thing. If you don't want them chastised, don't let them come to my house. Because once they come on my property, they're mine. And it's a way that you can approach these kids. You don't have to approach them yelling and screaming and whatnot. I put my arms around and tell them how much I love them and how much I know that they can do better, and how much better I want for them. And then I tell them, now, pull your pants up and stop using your butt hanging out as a sign and a signal for these cops to start messing with you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You Sometimes, you know, we it's, it's a shame, but it's also the truth. A lot of times these kids wear, you know, they're like a walking signal or a walking trap for the cops to start messing with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't know it. I, I I took a couple of police bulletins to a detention center here in Tallahassee, and I showed it to the kids, and I said, what's, what's the same thing on here uh, that you see? Every one of the crimes committed, the kids were wearing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which means that anybody that's wearing that can be pulled over. That's right. Absolutely. And if you don't have the money, if you don't have somebody in your family that knows somebody, the system will swallow you up. And it's designed to do that. Yes. But it's kind of hard for you know for you to get that message when you got to go to visit mommy and daddy and there's bars separating you. Yes. You know what's even worse? What's even worse is when you go visit mommy and daddy and mommy and daddy do the same thing. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, it, it's it's like somebody that's smoking crack is going to put the pipe, you know, just put it to the side of their mouth and now try to tell you how to live. Exactly. You know, there's some uh, some some guys that are, uh, and Greg and I, you know, I was telling him about this. There's some guys that I know, young guys, and they've been getting in trouble. And um, you know, I was actually talking to my pastor earlier, and he was saying how they had a court date tomorrow because they stole a car from the junkyard. You know, and I'm thinking, I, when I talked to him, I said, son, if you're going to do a crime, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. Don't. If you're going to steal a car, steal a Maybach, steal a Lamborghini. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least steal something that's going that you're going to enjoy. Don't from the junkyard. Car from the junkyard. You can't get away. 
How can the, how in the world do you start? You ought to give a double time just for being that stupid. You how know? do you how do you start a car in the junkyard? Exactly. <laughs> you know. But the real problem was when I talked to their father, and their father was saying, you know, and I'm asking him, where do y'all live? And he couldn't really give me directions to his house. Mm. And I didn't know whether he whether he just couldn't remember how to get there, or he just didn't want me to come to his house to talk to him. Because I wanted to talk to them before they went to court. Because I wanted to kind of talk with them and prepare them for what they were going to see when they got there. Because I know right away already that when they go, they're going to go with their hair uncombed, mm-hmm. their hands hanging low, and that's going to be an automatic signal that you are guilty. That's right. It's hard enough when you comb your hair and wear a suit. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but now you're coming in there looking like half the half the perpetrators that they're looking for. Absolutely. And you fit just about you fit the description of every you know uh, every person that they're looking for. What else? What else are they going to think? And then not only that, but I try to tell these young people that you should be extra vigilant from a spiritual point of view Absolutely. because Satan already knows your gift. Yes. He don't care nothing about you. He wants your gift. Mm-hmm. And what's really sad about this, it's a bad thing when you go to court and people judge you like that, but to go into church and be treated the same way. Exactly. There's no haven. Yes. And there is no haven. You know, you would think that these kids would walk into the church and not be treated as harsh as the world treats them. Because the only way that you're going to reach these kids is you're going to have to open your arms up and tell them you love them. You're going to have to operate in love because if you don't operate in love, these kids will shut you off. They will shut you out of their life. They won't even hear anything that you say. They won't remember your name when you give it to them and ask them 10, 15 minutes later. They don't know your name because they're not listening to you. And you can't tell them one thing and then you do something else. And that goes back to... Uh, That's th- even good kids, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and that goes mm-hmm. back to the conversation I had with the young lady that was that was pregnant and her husband was over in Iraq fighting. A lot of the women that spoke to her, they talked to her as if they'd never been into the world. Now that they're in the church, now they're looking down on these kids that are coming in there as if they've never done anything wrong, and they're just chastising these kids. At what point will you stop and say, okay, you know what, you've done that. Now, let me help you see that you could do better. Let's let's work on changing this. Let's call me at home or spend some time with me. You have to show these kids. If you don't show them and you keep uh, just beating them up with words, they're going to continue doing what they're doing, and they're going to say, well, why should I go in the church? I'm being treated worse in the church than I am in the courts. Exactly. And sometimes we, you know, we have to go that extra mile with these kids. In my church, uh, during the summertime, they have trips that are kind of expensive uh, for some of the members that are on fixed incomes and whatnot. And I try to sponsor as many kids as I can. And I don't do it to be seen. I don't do it, you know, uh, just to get praise or anything. I do it because the kids need to see something. They hear preaching all the time. Now let's show them something. And these same kids, when I go back to them and I say, well, you know, such and such needs to uh, be done or let me see your report card, you know, I try to encourage them. Okay, let me see what kind of marks you got. I show an interest in them. And when they have problems, I'm I'm one of the ones that they will come to because they know I'm not there to judge them. I'm there to help them. And then another thing, we have to stop – Letting these kids think that we were so perfect when we were coming up. Yes. Some of the stuff that I share with with my grandchildren, their mouths just drop. And it's, Grandma, you did that? I said, yeah, I was that stupid. I've done some crazy stuff. And that's how I know God has a sense of humor, and he really loves me. (laughs) Because when I look back and I'm saying, whoa, I mean, how dumb was that? You know, and I'm not talking about just being a teenager. I'm talking about in my 20s and whatnot. I did some stupid stuff. You know what? I, I, I wanted to get your take on the things that are happening with, you know, Uh-oh. with, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what was coming. 
Yeah, you know, well, let me just, I'm going to tell you like I tell everybody else who have asked me this. We all fall down. <laughs> we don't all fall down in public. Hey, and somewhere between what he said and she said, therein lies the truth. Yes, yes. <laughs> now that that's all I got to say about that. Okay. But you know what? What about the people out there that place these people on such high pedestals without having the relationship with God? And you know, and you know, the world is watching and saying, "You know what? That's why I don't go to church right there because these people are doing this with our money, and they're not right themselves, and they're doing this and they're doing that, and they're pointing the finger and they're doing all the judging, and they continue to tell the people that are trying to make something out of their lives, they stop." Well, you know, first of all, we have got to take marketing out of the church. There you go. That's what I said at the top of the hour. It's like it's become a business. It's really and truly become a business. And for those people who are looking for an excuse not to do right, the church is spoon-feeding it to them. Mm. And, again, we have to also use common sense. Some of this stuff just don't make no sense. And I'm looking at it and, 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 and my people... And I mean my people. I ain't talking about the other man. I'm talking about the brother man. <laughs> Come on now. Some of this stuff that we're embracing is just ridiculous. I'm going to come up there, you know, there's a, uh, I don't want to call no names, but there's a man that's on television who shouts. I mean, he screams. <laughs> and you got people calling in there supposedly, you know, uh, telling him all their business and whatnot, and he's giving you a word from the Lord that I don't even understand because he's screaming it. But supposedly he's on for an hour. Now, I know television costs some money. So if you're able to be on there for an hour, and I don't mean just once a week but nightly, how many crazy people are sending you money? Hmm. And most of the ones that I hear calling in for the short time that I can stomach to even listen to this are us. Yes. Why? Why do you think we're so emotional? Well, emotion will get you in a lot of trouble. That's the hmm. first thing. Emotions will get you in a lot of trouble. When Jesus spent 40 days, when he spent 40 days, fasting and praying, if he had been emotional when Satan came to him, he would not have been able to hit him back with the word. That's right. We have got to learn how to, you know, put our emotions in check. Do, do I cry when I hear a good word? Yeah. Do I cry, you know, when I'm praising the Lord? Yes, I do. But that's not going to be the basis of my any decision-making that I do. Mm. Because if you look at it, emotions will cause you to do some crazy, crazy things. Yes. And some of us, we marry people because we were emotional. Then we wake up two years later and say, what? Uh, what was? Uh-uh. <laughs> now you can't stand them because you got emotional. Soul ties. Soul ties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? And, and, and that happens, you know, the soul ties. You you have someone that slept with someone, and they figure, I'll just cut this person off. Not that easy. Mm-mm. And, and, and you know how I feel about, you know, losing virginity and whatnot. Can I talk about yes, that? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. For all the young women and young men, or even the older ones who have who are having sex for the first time and whatnot, understand that any time... Blood is involved. You are making a covenant. So when you're walking around here wondering why are you all messed up, turned out, sprung over these crazy individuals that you slept with, you made a covenant with them. And that's all I got to say about that. Be careful who you mess with. And then when we have these crazy kids, we wonder how do we get these crazy kids. Well, you was messing with them crazy people. 
<laughs> so what did you think you was going to have? And now you want to talk to the child about their crazy mama or their crazy daddy, and they don't see a crazy mama or a crazy daddy. They see somebody who gave them life. Now we got them all messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to I want to talk on that right quick because I've seen that so much, and it's sad. But when the mother and the father don't work out, you know, because already when you know when when you're not married to them, you know that's already one strike. You shouldn't be doing that if you ain't married. And you bring a child into this world and you're not married, and then y'all don't work out because y'all haven't made a conscious decision to you know at least. If you didn't mess up, try to try to fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the mama or the daddy want to always blame the other spouse like it was all they. Yeah, it's your. You act just like your daddy. You Speaking got an attitude death. just like your mama. Speaking death. You know. You know, and and and, and, and primarily daddy. it's because we're talking about the person that we slept with. Well, that child ain't sleeping with y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, he don't, he or she don't care nothing about that, and we have to understand that children are not stupid. How you know he he may have been a sorry piece of husband, but he's a good daddy to them. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to put a child in a position where they have to choose. Yes, and they do it so much, and, and that's a horrible position to be put in. And the thing that's so sad about it is that you know while our children are very smart, they're still very impressionable. Mm-hmm. You know, you say one thing to them and they lock in on that, and that's what they believe, especially if it's somebody that they have a great love or admiration or respect for. That person can say that dogs can fly, and those children will be throwing dogs in the air. Exactly. You know, and so when you say something like that to a child, because that child's mind is still formulating its opinions on things, they lock into that. That's why when you have these little kids at 10, 11, 12 years old talking about they thugs and gangsters and they want to go bang and, and slang and all that stuff, it's hard to get that out of their heads. It's almost impossible to get it out of their heads once they're 15, especially when they've been exposed to it for so long. And, and, and we need to also talk about why are these kids all banding together, you know, uh, as though their family exists outside of the house. You know, when we get to a point in our lives where both mommy and daddy have to work, I don't mean because they want to work, but have to work, mm-hmm. who's taking care of these kids? They're taking care of one another. So, you know, whatever bad information is being bandied about, they're telling it between one another. And when mommy and daddy get home, by the time they get finished cooking, cleaning, or whatever, they don't have time to talk to these kids. There's no, there's no discussion about what was fiction and what was, and what was fact. The children are raising themselves. Well, and then, don't get me started about the authority saying you can't hit these little kids. I don't mean beat them up, but I mean rat tat tat that little tail. Yeah, no funny, well, I don't rat tat tat in mine. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because you know I remember my mom telling me that when she was coming up and and if the parents had to work, they would take the children to the church mm-hmm. from morning until whatever time that person got off from work, and they would teach those kids. They would love the kids when they come in, and now what's the first thing you see after school program and all the churches and they're charging for it. Yeah, and not only that, but there was always people in the neighborhood, particularly the older people, were, were revered. Yeah. And, and when you came home from school, if mommy or daddy wasn't there, you know, you knew to go to mother so and so's house or sister so and so's house next door. And all the children played together in one yard. And when the street lights came on, your butt better be in whatever yard you you paid rent at. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no such thing as my mother having to come to the to the porch and start screaming, you know, for my name to come. When those street lights came on, everybody scattered. We looked like roaches. When the lights came on, just everybody just scattered. Yeah, it seems like it was always somebody that was paying attention to those lights. <laughs> exactly, and, and, and whatever it is that you wanted to say, you knew not to say it. 
I got the first time to to talk back to my mother and not get my lips slapped. Okay. And it's like nowadays you hear kids 11, 12 years old telling them, shut up, mama. And calling the mother and father by their first name. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. My kids will do that sometimes playing playfully. And I'll be like, yeah, don't play with me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, ain't no way. Like I tell people, my grandmother used to whip my tail over thought crimes, and she thought I was thinking <laughs> about doing something. I caught it. Ooh, I had an uncle like that. He would come home and just whoop everybody at the house. <laughs> yeah, we all had them. <laughs> now, that's a, now, that's a crazy <laughs> uncle there. Now, that's a crazy 30 uncle. minutes ago. That's Why a crazy uncle. Whooping? That's because you might do something over the weekend. If I ain't here, I'm tightening you up now. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, we all know, we all know about Steve Harvey, and I guess a lot of us have seen the uh, the tape, the comedy show that he did at Megafest. Well, he did a routine about the white woman whose son was telling her off. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And the black woman was sat there watching it, and when she. <laughs> Finally, the black woman just reached over and grabbed the child and whipped the mess out of him and told him, you ever even think about doing something like that? <laughs> then i kill you. <laughs> well, that's based in truth. Oh, yes. Because you know how we would go to the stores and whatnot, always be somebody, you know, from the other side that was cutting up, and all your mama had to do was cut an eye. She didn't have to say anything, just cut an eye. And you knew that she'd cancel your birth certificate right then and there. <laughs> if you even thought about saying or doing something like that. Mm. Now, I'm watching, what is that show? Um, the na- Not the, the nanny. nanny uh, the woman that's supposed to know all about. Um, or something like that. Yeah, I can't think of the name of that show. I have never seen so many black families in crisis with their children. Never heard of that before. Okay. She got to go there and teach them about how to discipline their children. Mm-hmm. Knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just knock them out. No, listen, knock them out, get some blessed oil when you get finished and play them back. No, they're going to call. See, you know what the thing about kids that's so funny? See, most of these kids then figured out how to scare their parents. I'll call Child Protective Service. They'll put you in jail if you touch me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you even have some kids that'll say something that's crazy. I'll tell them you raped me. You know? Let, let me and, tell and you it's something. so sad because, like, my kids, I, I could be in the store, and my kids will see somebody else's child cutting up, and they'll say, man, that kid crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a daughter that when she was 16 years old, I can't even remember what it was she said, but she decided she was going to approach me like a woman. Ooh. And this is no lie. When I got finished whipping her, I was naked. Ooh. When the cops came to the house, I was sitting there with no clothes on. I had whipped that girl so bad I came out of my clothes. And all the cops did was look at her, look at me, and told her, said, whatever she did, she shouldn't do it again. <laughs> and walk right back out the door. Absolutely. Now that same girl to this day thanks me for that whooping. Yeah. I beat her like the woman she thought she was. <laughs> and my grandchildren will tell you real quick, grandma is crazy. Yeah, you got you know what? Nowadays these kids have no fear. And so you have to be you have to you have to convince them that you're crazy. Like, Let me tell you, no, I'm crazy. Listen, I beat one of my grandchildren so bad one time. He had one of those little Power Ranger watches on. He was calling the Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, put, he, put the, he put his little wrist up to his mouth. To, Power Rangers, come in, Power Rangers. I beat the mess out of him. <laughs> and another one, I whipped up so bad she started singing, Jesus is mine. <laughs> I don't play. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They'll respect you and they'll love you for it. Oh, yeah. They think I'm the craziest thing out here walking, and I told them, just don't forget that. But they probably want to spend all of their time with you, too. Well, they do, but I told them I don't babysit. 
<laughs> As a matter of fact, one, well, just in case people wondered, I have 13 grandchildren. Wow. I didn't have them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they came by way of three daughters, but I didn't have no 13 Ooh. kids. And one of them asked me, he says, Grandma, are you going to be in town this week? I said, nope. He says, well, can I ask you something? I said, what, baby? He said, what kind of grandmother are you? I said, the kind that don't babysit. Because mm. I got stuff to do. That's right. That's right. You know what? And a lot of times what I hear from from kids that are growing up now, you know what? That's why I don't go to church now. And people are so mean in the church. I I don't go there anymore. I I said when I grow up, I'm not going back to the church. Well, some of them are mean. Let's tell it like it is. Some of them are just mean. Ain't nothing worse than being old, mean, and have a little bit of Alzheimer's too. But then you don't even remember why you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we always have. We, you know, we always have that usher. That no, Ursha. Ursha. Not an usher, Ursha. but an Ursha. We always have that Ursha that takes her job so serious. Well, you know, I have a character that I do because you know I have a one-woman show that that um, that I go around the country performing, and one of the characters is Sister I B. Ursha. Mm. And she's not an usher, like I said. She's an Ursha. And she wears a tool belt <laughs> and a police hat. And she's one of them kind, you know, the type that will meet you at the door and instead of saying praise the Lord, you know, uh, come on in or whatever, she's always got something sassy to say, like, you know, uh, what kind of hell have you been through this week that's got you running the church? Mm. <laughs> or telling one of the oh. deacons, you know, you need to go on to the upstairs to the overflow section because both your girlfriend and your wife sitting down here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she knows all the sermons. And, and she's forever slipping them babies NyQuil. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, I know these people. You know, I was just about to say, you know how, how, how funny that is? Because so many churches have a person that ha- that that's done that. Oh yeah. Who does that. And can you imagine being in the nursery and somebody slipping the baby's night wheel? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Most of the things that I write about, I do not have to make up. And one one of the things that I love is when I go to churches or, you know, see people that are really, really preaching. I mean, they know they're preaching, and don't let them mess up because I'm right away. I'm taking out pad and pen, and you will find it in my next book. There was uh, a preacher in Hampton, Virginia, who was preaching. I mean, he was bringing forth the word, and he got all tongue-tied and said that David took the thigh bone of an ass and killed 100 Philadelphians. <laughs> <laughs> You know that had to go into a book. Man, I could have been there just. I, and I, I and then another situation I saw happened in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm not going to mention the person's name because they're still living. But this particular person had been messing with somebody's husband, and they were chasing. You know, the woman was chasing this particular person around a car, and she told me, "Say, you know what? Said, don't you ever." call my house again, and this person stopped, turned around, and looked at that woman and said, you know what, come on now. As long as I've been messing with your husband, I ain't never called your house. (laughs) That made it into a book. (laughs) You know what, I had had a friend of mine to tell me about being in service. One of our pastors was visiting a church, and they were in service, and and this pastor was standing up, and uh, the spirit was on him, and he was saying some things. And and he said to this one lady that was sitting in a chair, he told her that today was her day to walk. He told her to get up and walk. <laughs> but you know, she had this what do they call those things—a shawl, or whatever they had over from your knees down. Uh huh. Well, everybody in the church—it's kind of hard to get it out. Everybody in the church was paying attention. <laughs> And they were watching her. They, they, they wanted to see this. Oh, they wanted to see this lady walk. And, oh, you know how sometimes you take it too far. <laughs> and when he pulled this, this, the, the thing that was covering her knees, 
Her legs, she didn't have any legs from her knees down. <laughs> so God will pull the cover off of you when you get the <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so everybody was standing there watching them. They said, okay, now I want to see her walk. Well, well, let me tell you this. Uh, for the listening audience, those who want to see, you know, videotape and, and hear audio, uh, they can also visit my website, which is www.sisterbetty.com. And also, uh, gentlemen, I just want to give another praise report. You know, my book, my, my current novel, Cruising on Desperation, has made uh, Essence bestsellers list again. Wow. Right. So God is just showing out with this book, and, and y'all can read some more about these zany church folks. Uh, including on Desperation, though, it's a singles folk, you know, it's a singles ministry, and it's these women from the, oh, Lord, why am I still single? Mm. Singles ministry. <laughs> Where did you get the uh, book cover um, photo? The book cover for Cruising on Desperation? Yes. Actually, that was my idea. Uh, originally, the publishing company, which is Kensington Daphina, that publishes my books, yes. they were going to put a picture of me as Sister Betty on the cover. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, they already had it made up. And when I saw that, I reached out to the uh, to the vice president of the publishing company, and I told her, you know, I broke it down to her in words that she could understand. And I told her, I said, you know what, you ain't going to make a dime. <laughs> that was my picture on this cover. I said, plus, this has nothing to do with the book. And I gave them the idea about the women in the, can- in the uh, canoe. And, and the, uh, originally I had a woman that was swimming in the water ahead of the other women, and then there was one woman going up the side of the ship. So they got somebody to illustrate it. And I just loved the results. Mm. And the next book that's coming out next uh, April of 2008 is called Somewhat Saved. They ain't all the way. Somewhat saved. They just somewhat. On the fence, huh? On the fence. Some of the church mothers have gone to Las Vegas. And we all know that whatever happens in Vegas ain't staying in Vegas. (laughs) How would people get in contact with you if they want to see you or they want to call you to perform or... Well, they could go to the website, www.sisterbetty.com, and from there they can navigate to the other websites and just, you know, also email me at sisterbetty at sisterbetty.com. Awesome. And you said this book is made it on the what again? On the Essence Bestsellers list. It debuted in September at number four, and it's still on there for October as well. Okay. We have two minutes left. I want, I want you to... Speak to the people that are hurting and suffering and they're going into the churches and, and what are some of the things that they need to uh, realize that, you know, what, what do you think people need to realize when people come to them in the church and they speak to them harshly or they, they're not uh, being a, a welcome guest like they should, they're not welcoming these people into the church? What would you say to them? I would say to these people that going into the church is pretty much like taking your car into a gas station. You need to be filled. You need to put gas in that car. So you go into the church and you get out of it what you put into it. No matter where you go, whether it's a church or to a business or wherever, you're always going to find somebody that's going against the norm. And what you have to do is just pray. Because sometimes we need those people in order to learn lessons. We need to know what not to do. Yes. And if you're hurting, go to God. That That's what... God is for. He's not for people who are who are not hurting. He's for people that are hurting. That's where we start at. You don't go to church when you when when you're healed. You go to church to be healed. Yeah. And then you get maintenance work. Your Bible, your word, that's your maintenance. Yeah. And learn and know God for yourself. Do not depend on somebody else to teach you about God. They can, t- they can teach you how to seek God, and they can help you, you know, with some of the questions that you may have. But ultimately, I guarantee you that if you pray and ask God for a revelation or for knowledge or wisdom, He will give it to you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. With that being said, we thank you for coming on tonight. Yes, we well, do. I thank you for having me. Yes, we do. 
And you have been listening to the Abundant Solution Dial. Please join us on Wednesday night where we'll have another fun-filled We bid you all good evening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.